Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What up, TCK Potters? I'm your host, Sky Guasco, joined always by my man, Lucas Kaser, and you are tuned into the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel at the Candlestick Kids. Leave a rate and review anywhere you're listening to your podcast. And follow us on IG at FantasyFootball underscore TCK Pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore Pod. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. Yo, what up, TCK Potters? Welcome back to the program. Sky here with you with the Candlestick Kids, episode 251. Lucas Kaser in the place as well. You can find us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore TCK pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. You can also find all of our content at tckpod.com, including our draft guide. Just a couple weeks left of the preseason draft guide, just five bucks. Five bucks as well for the in-season draft guide and 15 for both and some one-on-one coaching from Lucas, myself, Dweez, and the rest of our team here at the Candlestick Kids. If you're coming in on Twitch, this is twitch.tv slash Football. You can catch us every Monday through Thursday, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern time on LandryFootball.com. Make sure you jump into the chat room and join us for the NFC South Fantasy Preview today. Lucas, how you feeling, my man? I'm doing good. I'm ready to wrap up kind of like the final – I think you could say prep podcast, and I know we have next week, but next week yeah, we're doing something kind of, I think, fun to show the inefficiencies in the ADP or the, the whatever you want to call it, the draft, the way the players show up on the draft. I don't know if it's actually ADP or just kind of the way they have them ranked. Um, so the last, like, full information podcast, but next week we will have sort of the final push at getting you guys ready before we start the in-season schedule. And two weeks from today, actually, we have, we have football two weeks from today, which is pretty crazy to – to to say for how for how it's been going so far this year absolutely yeah happy for that um also hoping that the season goes off without a hitch and that's hard to say because there's going to probably be sicknesses there's probably i mean there's going to be injuries we know that already but i think the nfl has had the luxury of learning from the nba learning from the mlb learning from um hockey as well uh mid playoffs Mm -hmm. here um and the NBA bubble has done a great job. They had a couple of players leave, and they basically had you know precautions for that. Uh, the MLB had a terrible start, mainly the Marlins and the Mets and the Phillies to get started, but they've cleaned a lot of that up, and they've been pretty seamless here. So hopefully the NFL has learned from those mistakes and has taken the last couple of months and, and uh, namely just the last few weeks here to uh, really hone in on what they're going to do. And uh, we know that, you know, college football, as we know, it is pretty much uh, postponed to next year. But it looks like so far the NFL will be uh, chiming in. So let's dive into it. Let's wrap up our divisional fantasy previews yesterday. Of course, you caught Chris Benavides of the Commish Fantasy Football Podcast on with us to break down the NFC East. We did the North and the West before that. Today, again, we are breaking down the NFC South. That, of course, is the New Orleans Saints. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Atlanta Falcons, and the Carolina Panthers. Let's just kick it off right away here with the New Orleans Saints. Won the division last year, 13-3. and Somehow upset again in the playoffs by a far inferior team in the Minnesota Vikings, but they seem to have their number in the playoffs. Nonetheless, the Saints get booted once again, trying to get Drew Brees out on the sunset here, but he's got a lot of other competition these days for that Super Bowl ring. But let's start with the Saints, man. A lot of uh, – you know, it's interesting. I should say a lot of top-heavy fantasy talent on this team, but as it goes for an overall team, there's not a lot of fantasy options on this team overall. 
I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but in fantasy, you're really only really targeting, obviously, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, but then Drew Brees, maybe Jared Cook, maybe Emmanuel Sanders. Latavius Murray, I guess, is a handcuff, but there's not really a lot. I mean, Will Lutz, if you're playing kickers, sure, but there's not a lot of uh, other options here on this team. There's not multiple receivers. There's not necessarily multiple great running backs except for a handcuff situation. So it's going to be interesting this year, but let's kick it off with the Saints, man. Um, Drew Brees kind of perennially an RB back end RB one missed five games last year. Teddy two gloves now in Carolina stepped in for him. He did admirably, uh, did well, got wins for the saints, but Drew Brees was on fire, uh, when he was playing in a per game basis, obviously Alvin Kamara had a hiccup last year, playing about 75% with the bum ankle. And it turns out that he actually may have kind of torn something in his knee overall that he came out just a few weeks ago and let us know that last year, that's why he was at 75%. We know that he is a top-end running back. I have him at number two, which we discussed yesterday and we'll get into further here today, but I've got him at two overall in PPR. And Michael Thomas setting the record in uh, both receptions and targets of 185 last year. He should be uh, good for something close to that. They bring in Emmanuel Sanders from San Francisco. Jared Cook had a very efficient year last year, but not a lot of um, – actual you know target and volume per se and then again if you're playing defense and kicker i think that uh will lutz and the saints defense are good options there so lucas i'll kick it off to you here how do you feel about the saints this year yeah i mean i think you you said it perfectly that you kind of see what you get you know you know what you're getting not even based on adp just in general with this team uh breeze is sitting right on qb7 on calculators adp i think he's right around the the nine to ten on the higher stakes leagues i haven't ranked as my qb9 Projected as my QB ten, he just kind of, he's just kind of there. I guess is kind of the way you have to approach it. There's not, you can't really. I think at this point in his career, you can't really project him to be the top five QB he used to be. But then at this point of his career, you can't also say he's going to regress because it just simply hasn't happened. He posted, I think, his highest uh, touchdown rate in the last four years last year. Um, and I think the one thing that kind of, I don't even want to say like makes him a good value. But is Taysom Hill is going to be there, which I think is really a, it's a bad thing for overall fantasy points. But I think it's, it keeps this offense creative to where they're not just game planning for Drew Brees because obviously I think you can game plan mobile or pocket quarterbacks pretty easily. So I don't mind him at current ADP or draft position if you're not taking uh, anywhere from Kyler Murray on up to Lamar Jackson range. Kamara, yeah, he's my he's my four right now. We've had the conversation about maybe he does have a better floor. Maybe he is a better pick than Saquon. I'll see kind of uh, – I guess by next week you guys will know where we fi- our final uh, preseason rankings have him at. He is – my projections were like – he's like RB3 in projections. And when I made the projections, I was like, this seems kind of like a lot, right? Like it, it didn't seem – just because kind of the, the down year, like the prospect he is, but it really – he really is in for a big positive regression year. I love drafting Murray just because of the whole zero RB situation, the handcuff. We saw what he was the RB one back to back weeks when Kamara missed. And yeah, Michael Thomas is I don't really know, I guess, if he was their wide receiver one this year. And I kind of flirted with Adams and Julio, but ultimately I put it back to Michael Thomas. I think his role is gonna stay pretty much the same. Obviously, he won't put up as much efficiency as he had last year because Sanders is there, Adam Troutman's there with Jared Cook. So but I but I think it's this is a very uh, three-headed monster and who you should draft. Don't mess with Sanders as much as we love him. Uh, it's just not – I don't know what he's going to provide you. Um, and then Jared Cook, yes, I think to a certain extent, but I think he was so 
he he was so good in the games he played. I don't know if he could repeat it, and I don't really have like any numbers to back that up. But he was getting, I think, like 0.8 touchdowns per game on average. Like this kind of crazy numbers, which you could ultimately repeat again. But he's kind of in that dead zone of tight ends where I just usually fade and go later at that point. I like it. Got a quick question here from my boy CB Kid. Nice to hear from you, brother. What teams besides the Cowboys have three receivers going in a typical draft? Thomas and Sanders are a solid two wide receivers. Green Bay barely has two unless you get Lazard in the last round. Kind of agree with that. I think we're talking about here, you know, let's talk about the Saints really quick. And we're going to get through the rest of this division who has a ton of talent, obviously. But let's, you know, cover the Saints really quick here. I mean, Michael Thomas, obviously. Emmanuel Sanders maybe is a kind of a middle to late round flyer. But do you actually believe in Traquan Smith or any of these other guys here? I mean, I just. No, I did. I did. Too, but like, I mean, it. It would have happened last year if it was going to happen, and I'm a firm believer on scenarios like that. So I think it, yeah, it's it's you got to go with the, the Kamara, Breeze, Thomas because I don't see much. There was an opportunity last year for these secondary guys. So I don't see there being opportunity this year. Yeah, and to answer your kid, uh, answer your question, um, I'm going to look here really quick, man. Uh, Lucas, see if you have anybody that I didn't mention. Yeah, maybe. I think I'm thinking I'm thinking the Giants. I'm thinking the Falcons, who we're going to get to in a minute. I'm thinking the Rams, and of course the Cowboys. Uh, maybe the Buccaneers as well, which we can get to here in a little bit. Is there any other three trio? Now, this isn't the question we prepared for, so I'm kind of thinking off the cuff here. But I think is there a team that yeah. you can get three receivers here in a typical draft? I think the Chiefs are a big one with Hardman, Watkins, and uh, Tyreek. Obviously, I think that's a very good one. That all three really have good value at where they're going. Uh, I would say the Raiders probably do between Edwards, Renfro, and Ruggs. Um, I don't – is Lynn Bowden listed as a receiver on fantasy apps or is he a running back? Or Honestly, I think he's got that old school running back uh, wide receiver hybrid tag from what I – That's nice. That's nice. Under, oh, it's it's great. I remember you know back in the day a couple guys used to have that. I used to love it. Um, My girl yeah, I'm trying to tell you. There you go. Uh, I'm trying to think Trying to think outside the box here. Um, Texans. On, yeah, t- Texans is a great one. That's a great one. Absolutely. Definitely a lot the of value. Jets. There. I Jack think what's Brady. good. I think what's good about a lot of these teams. So obviously the Falcons, the Rams, the Cowboys, um, and Tyreek Hill, you have to pay up for. You have to get all those receivers probably in the first four to five to six rounds. Um the rest of those guys that you can get pretty good value on later on. So I like that. I like that a lot. So, all right, we can move on here. Um, always appreciate the, uh, the the chime in, CB Kid. Thank you so much. Let's jump into the Tampa Bay Buccaneers here. So, of course, kind of the talk of the offseason, Tom Brady heads down from New England to Tampa Bay, brings along Rob Gronkowski with him, joins Bruce Arians in this offense. Jameis Winston accidentally lands on the Saints, which is a great opportunity for him eventually, but not yet. We didn't even talk about him in fantasy because he's not talk talk aboutable. I'll throw this at you really quick before we move on to the Bucks, Lucas. I'm not wishing any negative on Drew Brees by any means. Let's say Drew Brees either retires next year or he goes down early in the season. If Drew Brees wasn't in the picture right now, where would you have Jameis Winston ranked? He's the starting quarterback for the Saints. Where would you have him ranked? I'd have him at hmm. above or below where Breeze is now. Breeze is at my nine. I would probably move Winston to my seven, where Matt Ryan's at. I think. Wow. 
Yeah, I think that's what I would probably do because they're, yeah, obvious reasons. for Jameis Winston reasons as to why you'd have him at the QB7, I think, there. Okay, fair enough. All right, so let's move on again to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So Jameis is out. He throws 30 touchdowns last year, 5,000 yards, and he gets the boot because he's not actually a good quarterback and he throws 30 interceptions. He has bad playmaking abilities. I think he just got uber talent, so he was able to make it work. Now they bring in the hyper-efficient Tom Brady. Um, Of course, they have Chris Godwin and uh, Julian Edelman. Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Um, They also have a number of – you know. Yeah, right. Other weapons here. Uh, they got the other Julian Edelman and Scotty Miller over the middle. Um, they have O.J. Howard and Cameron Braid, along with Rob Gronkowski. They have Ronald Jones. They got Keyshawn Vaughn, Dario Gumbawale. Plenty of options here in this Tampa Bay offense. There's a lot of fantasy value, I think, both at the top with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, and then kind of trickling down into the later rounds and, you know, some uh, some flyers, if you will. So let's start with uh, – let's start with – Tommy B and uh, work down the Buccaneers here, man. How do you feel about Tom Brady this year? Do you think he's actually in a single quarterback league? Would you be comfortable having him guide your team right now? Of course, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are, you know, in the second or third round. So, uh, you know, they're, they're hyper targeted in fantasy drafts. Uh, But let's talk about some of these other options as well. Yeah, I, I think as this team in general, the, the problem I have with this team and I don't know if it's overthinking it, but the whole concept of less interceptions means better drives, right? It means that you're going to have more opportunities to get yards. But then I think that's neglecting the fact that less interceptions is going to mean less plays in general. So and there's no way to, there's no way to uh, actually quantify that because we don't know how many plays they would have had after each interception, whatever. You can maybe – pull out a league average or something. But to me, it it almost is like this team kind of runs back neutral because I don't see them creating more plays because that, that, they already ran an insane amount of plays anyways. I don't know if this means more red zone attempts. I don't know if it means less red zone attempts. I, I just don't know. So I have Brady as my QB 13 right now. Eh, I don't really love drafting him because you're not really getting a rushing floor and you're taking a huge risk if this didn't even work out on this new team. Um, the receivers I have Godwin Evans at six and eight, I believe, or six and seven PPR or half PPR. I'm not for sure uh, exactly where they're at. They, they, they're going to be fine. I'm not worried about them getting their fantasy points. The the running backs though is the one thing that I still can't wrap my head around because everyone's running the Ronald Jones victory laps right now. That that I I knew he was the starter back before the draft started. I knew he was the starter after the draft happened. And the process behind them, people had him in like their top 24 running backs after the draft of Keyshawn Vaughn. And the reasoning was pass blocking. When in reality, the best pass blocker with the most pass blocking reps on this team last year was Ogun Buwale. And they don't want to rank him up there due to pass blocking. And then they bring in Keyshawn Vaughn, and they only hear good news about – there's only Arians raised about Keyshawn Vaughn, and Rojo still stays up there. Now, finally, they bring in Shady. Rojo still stays up there. And Rojo's getting some praise in camp, whatever, and he's still up there. So I, I, I just can't pull the trigger on this because he's in a four-person backfield on a team that we're expecting two top ten receivers with apparently a top ten tight end out of one of the three of the tight ends and a top ten quarterback. I just, this is not like an elite juggernaut offense. I, I, that's kind of my take on it. 
So I struggle to really find a lot of these guys on my team outside of not even really Godwin. Like I love Godwin, but like I would so much rather take Julio Jones or if I'm in the middle of round two, take George Kittle. I, I just don't – I don't want to say like don't draft him, but like it just seems like it's kind of like scary to take him, I guess, is kind of the way to put it. Because I, I don't know if a quarterback that was terrible last year can be good the next year for really running back quite a bit of the same team that he kind of had last year. Would you rather draft Godwin in the middle of the second or Evans in the middle of the third? Uh, I don't know. That's tough because, like, they're both, like, I would say probably Godwin in the second. I, I'm not saying that the whole Evans thing can't work out because people think because he's such a good receiver that it can't work out or some odd reason like that. I just don't huh, – I don't know. I guess Godwin, but it's it's close to – yeah, it's it's close, I guess. I, I don't know. It, it's just they're I had Evans on a lot of teams last year and it was tough to play him to play him every week with Jameis. I don't know how it's gonna be way more tough to play him with Tom Brady every week, I think. Tom Brady, the big knock on him is his deep ball efficiency, which is a farce because he's good. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think the big talk around fantasy circles is that Tom's old and he can't throw it deep. Let's not forget last year that outside of Julian Edelman, Tom had no weapons. He had kind of Mohamed Sanu for the second half. He did not have Rob Gronkowski. Nikhil Harry barely played and got injured. He didn't have anybody else. Josh Gordon experiment didn't work out. Antonio Brown experiment didn't work out. So Tom Brady was literally throwing to Julian Edelman, who only runs seven-yard routes anyway, and there was no opportunity to throw deep. But on his deep passes, a deep pass is 20 yards or more. Tom Brady was – he had 54 attempts, which is 16th in the NFL. So he was middle of the pack on attempts – in general. So that just doesn't allow for much success there anyway. So 54 attempts, 16th in the NFL. He was 10th in completion percentage at 40%. He was 15th in yards per attempt at 12 yards per attempt, which again, it's quite shallow for deep passes, at least touchdowns. He had seven, which was tied for eighth. And he had uh, 107 um, passer rating, which was seventh in the NFL, and he only threw two interceptions on those deep passes. So the big number there to take away is he was seventh in passer rating, which is a cumulative stat of all those other stats. So he can do it. He can throw deep. I think he's going to be just fine. The The Buccaneers are this year's Twitter Browns, right? I mean, like every single NFL Network episode has got the Buccaneers yeah. involved with it because of Tom Brady. All the Twitter videos are about the Buccaneers. Dude, we just spent two days – watching Ronald Jones drop passes because that's there's that much hype about the Buccaneers. But what you do see is Tom Brady linking up with Mike Evans deep in the end zone, which I'd like to see, all right? Chris Godwin seems a little bit of a hiccup. They're not really disclosing, at least to my knowledge, what is actually going on. It might be a little bit of a thumb issue. Either way, as long as it's not like a broken finger or a core issue or a lower body issue, I'm not worried about Chris Godwin. I think he's going to be just fine. He's still, you know, a top six pick for me as well. Mike Evans is top 10 as well. So I think these guys are going to be just fine. Ronald Jones, Keyshawn Vaughn, I'm probably just staying away from both of those guys unless it really falls to me. In a deeper league, Dario Gumbawale, I think, is an interesting, like, third handcuff, but he's worth a 14th, 15th round pick just in case because if one of those guys go down, I think that Gumbawale could be just fine. And we saw the Patriots for years have – four wide uh, running backs um, relevant in this op- offense with Tom Brady. Now, I know that's a lot of uh, Josh McDaniels and, and uh, Bill Belichick, but nonetheless, 
multiple running backs I think can thrive with Tom Brady, and he obviously doesn't necessarily have favorites. So I think that'd be fine. You and I have gone back and forth a lot with Rob Gronkowski, man. I still kind of stick with, like, I'm not excited to draft him, but if I'm in the 12th round and I don't have a tight end yet and Gronk is falling because people don't believe in him, why not? Why not grab Gronk get, to yeah. get his, his six games of touchdowns because that's going to happen? And we know with a tight end, three receptions for 30 yards and a touchdown could be a, a top 10 tight end in any given week. Gronk, while he's out there, is going to have, I think, a touchdown per game average. I just think that's going to happen with him, and they have that rapport down there in the red zone. So I like that a lot. I'm not excited to draft him per se, but I will take him if it's late. Um, and then I'll just kind of bone up on an extra guy later on in the draft if I need to. So I feel okay about the Buccaneers. Tom Brady would be fine as my late quarterback. Um, I know you and I took him in a dynasty league, a startup dynasty, which is silly, but we loaded up on the rest of our team. So by the time we got to got to quarterback, Tom Brady was the best available. And basically we're trying to win it this year. And I think Tom Brady is a great value for where we got him in like the 10th or 12th round in that league to win it this year. And then we boned up on some younger quarterbacks for the, for the uh, later seasons, which I feel fine about, but it's going to be interesting to see what they do in Tampa, man. There's a lot of talent. Clearly Tom brings in a completely different mindset than they've had in Tampa Bay since John Gruden was there with the O2 bucks that won the Super Bowl over the Raiders. They have not been back to the playoffs since that moment. They do not have a playoff win since 2002. Tom Brady is going to change that. In my opinion, I think they're going to be incredible. And this division in general, I think is going to be excellent. So I think the Buccaneers have plenty of weapons. And I think you mentioned yesterday with Chris, you're trying to leave your draft with one piece of the Dallas offense. I think the Buccaneers are another team that between the two wide receivers, Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, even a deep flyer on OJ Howard, just in case um, the defense, I think should be much improved under Todd Bowles as well. If you play in DST leagues, Matt Gay is the kicker. I think is going to be very efficient as well. So those are the type of like, there's somebody on the Buccaneers that you could end up with on your team. And I think it would be fruitful for you to do so. All right, we're going to get into the Atlanta Falcons here in just a minute. But before that, we'll give another shout-out to Landry Football, LandryFootball.com. You can check out high school, college, NFL proper, and we are your lone fantasy football station. Make sure you check us out as well every Monday through Thursday, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern time, right here on twitch.tv slash Football. Also, for you TCK Potters out there that would like to join our listener league, we do have a few spots left available we are looking for you to basically DM us on Instagram or Twitter. Send us a message of why you like the program, what we can improve on with the program. Once you do that and you send us an honest review on one of the platforms wherever you listen to it, we'll send you that link for the league and we'll get you locked in. And then we will set up the draft date and make sure everything is ready to go. I will let people know we are drafting the Tuesday and Wednesday leading up to the draft. So uh, it'll be basically kickoff Adam and Eve on um, the 8th and the 9th of September will be our TCK Pod Listener League drafts. So for those of you that want to be a participant, please make sure that you can make that time work. Um, don't sign up for the league if you can't because it will be taking a spot for somebody that may be able to that can't make the space. So make sure you're able to and make sure you're free for that. Hit us up and let us know you want to be a part of it and we will get you in. Also, a couple days left of the preseason draft guide. Once that draft, once the preseason is over, we'll be locking some of that content, moving on to the 
midseason draft guide as well as our one-on-one coaching so if you're interested in any of that stuff again dm us let us know you can go to tckpod.com and find that as well once again we are the candlestick kids fantasy football podcast aka tck pod episode 251 and episode 16 with the landry football network all right buddy let's move on to the atlanta falcons here kind of a uh annual underachieving team and I mean that by they have had uber talent for years. Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Devonta Freeman, uh, Austin Hooper for a long time. On paper, a great defense. They had Tevin Coleman for a long time. Now they have Calvin Ridley, Mohamed Sanu, blah, blah, blah. Well, the, Julio gets his. Matt Ryan gets his. Ridley's been getting his. Hooper was great for two years. Uh, tight end six back-to-back. Devonta Freeman was okay when he was – Healthy, but he wasn't healthy very often. They get rid of Tevin Coleman, obviously. Mohamed Sanu goes on to the New England Patriots, and now they bring in Hayden Hurst to cover in for Austin Hooper, who is now in Cleveland. So do you think that the the Falcons are going to be able to keep up with the rest of this division, man? I mean, we just talked about the Saints. We know what the Saints are. We know what the Buccaneers should be if everybody stays healthy. Are the Falcons going to be able to keep up? They bring in Todd Gurley to replace Devonta Freeman. Love that. They still have... Uh, Julio and Ridley, who I think there's a great question of who would you rather have, Julio and Ridley or Evans and Godwin? I think that's a great conversation. Matt Ryan is going to be, you know, he's always kind of in that top eight quarterback conversation as long as he stays healthy. And then again, they bring in Hayden Hurst, who I think is a uh, younger, faster, stronger version of Austin Hooper, which should be awesome. Um, Russell Gage, I think, is a great slot receiver there, picking up for Mohamed Sanu, who had plenty of work as a third-string wide receiver there. So I think he's a deep flyer. How do you feel about the Falcons, man? And, and is this another team that you think that you should probably leave your draft with at least one of these pieces? Yeah, so if so, if you were to ask me my top five uh, quarterbacks and passing attempts on my projections, keep in mind I spent a month and a half on these projections, so it's not like I threw them together. They are Matt Ryan, Teddy Bridgewater, Gardner Minshew, Jared Goff, and Sam Darnold. It's crazy, right? Yeah, why well, Matt Ryan at 686 attempts, which is 60 more than Teddy Bridgewater at 625. This team, we've been saying it all offseason, they're going to have to throw the ball to keep up with these teams. Another thing, too, is they're going to have to throw the ball against bad secondaries. The other teams in this division, their secondaries are not that great. You have Marshawn Lattimore and then a bunch of younger corners for the Bucks that were really bad the first half of the year and then apparently really good, but it was more so to just improve from the worst secondary in the league, so how good actually are they? And then the Panthers' defense is just atrocious as it is anyway. So, this, yeah, this is the Cowboys and the Falcons, honestly, you could stack most players on these teams – I don't know if they're the same bye week. I don't like to play around bye weeks anyways, Kara. That is, that is sacrifices more win percentage anyways. But, yeah, Matt Ryan's my QB7. He he does this whole trend thing where he switches off and on between good years, bad years. I want to say I don't believe it, but then, like, you kind of have to because it's been, like, five years since he's done it. Uh, but he's due for a huge year, I think. The O-line, they're going to be healthy. Uh, they bring in Todd Gurley, you mentioned, and I think a thing that helps Matt Ryan and his pass catchers is that they literally said after they signed Gurley, they don't know if he's healthy. So you're going with Todd Gurley, who you don't know if he's healthy, Brian Hill, Quadri Allison, and Edo Smith. You're going to have to throw the ball just as much as you did last year. 
So that leads us to the receivers who, yeah, I, I – the commission league, I stacked them both. We have Michael Thomas, Julio, and Calvin Ridley, and that might seem crazy because there's the whole concept of if Julio catches a ball, obviously Ridley can't score on that play, but, like, that, that can be made for any other player getting a target to that one guy. Like an offense that's this secluded between four to five guys, three guys really in the passing attack, you want to target that at all costs. So I have Julio on my two, and I have Ridley at my nine, which is going to – we'll, we'll, we'll see next week how uh, plus ECR and plus um, collective ADP across all sites, and I'm going to be well ahead on Calvin Ridley. I think he's, he's due for a humongous year. Um, and Russell Gage is the other one you were talking about. Yeah, I don't mind him later. Um, that's more of a multiple flex league, if anything, I think. Or you're holding on to if Ridley goes down or Julio goes down just to get peppered with targets. Uh, I was super high on Hayden Hurst at, like, tight end five. And I slowly lowered him to, like, my seven to eight range. I think to a certain extent he's going to need time to get used to this offense. He won't see the amount of snaps we think he's going to take. So I – but all being said, I think that this offense is going to be very explosive. Their defense is going to be terrible, and that's just going to breed fantasy points um, a lot. I mean, and I think the lack of fans is going to help because I, I don't know if it's necessarily a Falcons thing. But, like, I just think, like, in a game where they're playing the Bucks, they're playing the Saints, they're in these games in the Dome, especially, like, if it's quiet, it might sound weird, but I think it's going to be, like, easier for the office to, per- to perform to me. Or, like, you're playing at New Orleans. Like, that place is probably rocking. And you're having to just to concentrate on getting the sound out of your head. Now it's out of your head. And all I got to do is just execute the plan. I guess that's not a more of a take, if anything. But I definitely think that this team is – I'm not saying they're going to be good because they might get just five wins. They might get two wins. They might get 11 wins. But I think for fantasy, uh, you you got to come out of the draft with – I mean, I come out of like every draft with Julio, but you got to come out of a draft with one of Todd Gurley, I guess, but one of Ridley Ryan, Julio to me. Yeah, I agree. I made a bowl prediction last year uh, preseason when I was going through my NFL bowl predictions, and it was that the Atlanta Falcons last year, that the Atlanta Falcons would end the season as the number one seed in the NFC or the worst team in the NFC. That was my bold prediction. One or the other. They finished seven and nine right in the middle of the pack. This year, they're not going to be the worst. They're just they're too talented unless they get destroyed by injury. But I'm sure we've all heard by now, if they wanted to, they could literally start a former first round pick on their entire offense at every yeah. single position. They are stacked with talent. They've been stacked with talent though for a very, very long time. Matt Ryan, you just mentioned Matt Ryan, 650-plus attempts. Got to love that, obviously. That leaves plenty of room for Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley to have 100 catches each. Those guys have 100 catches. They're both going to have 12 to 1,400 yards. Julio Jones averages 1,400 yards over the last five years. It's insane. We all know that mm-hmm. if, if Julio Jones got Antonio Brown, um, uh, uh, even, I mean, honestly, even uh, Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas – uh, if he was able to get those holiday touchdowns, you know, nine to 12 every single season, he would be the number one by far every year. But he's still perennially a top three to five wide receiver with four touchdowns, six touchdowns. Dude's an animal. So I love Matt Ryan. I love Julio Jones. I love Calvin Ridley. I don't mind stacking those guys. And you are getting like a round discount stacking Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley than you are with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. 
What would be your favorite combination of those four receivers, Lucas? Just at their current ADP. So let's just say current ADP, Godwin and Julio are going in the second round. Evans is going in the third. Ridley, let's say, is going in the fourth. You can usually get him in the fifth with all these running backs, but let's say that he's going in the fourth. What would your be your ideal PPR combo of all those receivers, all four of those receivers at their ADP? Who would you like to have on your team? I mean, I I think the Julio Ridley probably because if you can throw in Mark Andrews in the third round in between them, and I if I start Michael Thomas in round one, like it. I mean, if DJ Moore is in the home league and he falls around three smacks ago, Julio, DJ Moore, Ridley, with Michael Thomas in round one, and you might be like, where the hell are the running back at? We don't do that here. So I think, <laughs> yeah, I I don't even like want to say it's crazy that like Ridley out finishes Godwin and Evans because this team is going to run so many plays. And it, yeah, I don't know. It's, I'm looking at my projections right now, and one, two, three, four, five, five of my top six projected, seven projected receivers are in this division, so that has to mean something. If you made a team of just this division, which honestly might be a strategy, because like I don't, did their bye weeks match up at all? I'm assuming like two and two. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'll check I guess. It that could be a strategy. You just take all these receivers and then just play them against each other, because that's like ultimate game stacking. Not even like teammate stacking like you're just like just please throw a shootout please throw a shootout which is most likely what happens with these teams but yeah I think like Julio I think when we did our best pick for a round I think Julio is like my body Kelsey but I think if you can get Julio or Kelsey in round two like smash every single time like there's a reason that guys like Evan Silva and all the other big names love Julio and Kelsey in round two because it's every reason for taking the guaranteed points because they do it at an elite level every single year and I think so I my predictions for Julio, I have him at 1,596 yards, which is well within the range of outcomes for him. And Ridley's is 12, 11, sorry, 1,157 with eight touchdowns to Julio's six touchdowns, which to me, like, and I know, like, I've been kind of thinking about, like, the, the, the statement of, like, it has to happen. Like, like with Keenan Allen, with Adam Thielen, like, these guys have to get receiving yards. Because if they don't, these teams will have two wins, right? If the ball does not get to Keenan Allen, the Chargers might not win a game. If the ball does not get to Adam Thielen, the Vikings might not win a game. And I know it's not like a good strategy, but, like, it is realistic that, like, if you're not throwing to Julio and Ridley, like, is Russell Gage going to win you a week and Hayden Hurst on a new team and injured Todd Gurley? Like, it's just not really how it's going to be, whereas the Bucks could just run the ball down people's throats and throw it to their tight end. So I, I don't know if that's a reasoning for me to move Evans and Godwin down, but I think there's definitely – uh, it's a reason more so to wait, I would say, and just take the Julio and Ridley, which might be the cheaper and possibly better uh, stack in the NFC South. Julio Jones last year had just under 1,400 yards. The year before that, almost 1,700 yards. The uh-huh. year before that, just about 1,450. So he could absolutely get 1,500 yards. We know that from Julio Jones. The touchdowns, though, 6, 8, and 3 over the last three seasons, unacceptable. This man needs 15 touchdowns at least every year. It's an absolute crime. The The Saints have a bye week in week six. The Falcons have a bye week in week 10. And then the Buccaneers and the Panthers have a bye week in week 13. So those are two to stack up. But again, late in the offseason. So, man, there is a lot of sneaky value. This has kind of been like the least exciting division in the NFC, I think, for quite a while. 
uh, just overall NFL standards for quite some time outside of a flash of Cam Newton or a Jameis Winston game or something like that. Falcons and Saints have been okay, but they've had trouble winning games over the last decade for the most part, at least. Um, man, it is on fire now with fantasy. And we're going to get to the Panthers in two seconds, but with them pumping it up, I think it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun here in, in the South. So I would, I'm just going to say really quick, I would like to have mm, at the ADP, I would love to have, if I could swing it somehow, I would love to have Julio and Godwin. That's probably unrealistic. So I would like to have Julio and Evans actually, just because I think that they both could get 1400 yards. They both could have double digit touchdowns. And I think they're both going to be good for 90 to hundred mm-hmm. receptions. Whereas I think there's a little more risk with Godwin and a little more risk with Ridley um, now they could both surprise and both absolutely explode, but I think that like the floor of Julio and Evans is safe. And up in the first couple of rounds, I think about until the fourth round, I'm looking for like, who's not going to lose for me. Like if they get hurt, they get hurt. That, that happens. But who are the guys that aren't going to just fall on their face? And that's generally who I'm looking for in the first three rounds. The fourth, fifth, sixth, that's when I start looking a little bit more upside, a little less floor, maybe a DJ Moore guy who could have a, a nice floor, but a huge upside if it comes to fruition. So that'll be interesting there. But, yeah, I like the Buccaneers mm-hmm. a lot, man. And I think okay. they, yeah. I was going to say, I was looking at the bye weeks, and the Panthers and Bucks both have a week 13 bye. So, yeah, I, I guess I am going to fade Godwin and Evans because you don't want your second-round pick going to be out for the first round of playoffs, obviously, right? DJ Moore, I think, yeah, he's, he's a late two, early three, so that has room to work with. But I think – well, it's the last. That's it's the of, last. It's the last game of the season. Week thirteen should be the last game of. Oh yeah, regular no, okay. Don't listen to me, then. I was. I don't know why I was thinking. It's no, 13. hey, dude. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, man. There are definitely leagues that finish up week fifteen, week sixteen. There's also leagues that finish up week seventeen. So just be careful with that. Last year, I believe Christian McCaffrey, if I believe correct, uh, if I remember correctly, Christian McCaffrey last year had a week thirteen bye. Now it wasn't a playoff game, but. For half of your league, that's a winning get in opportunity. You have the best yeah. player in fantasy football not playing. That's a problem, obviously, right? So mm. you get all the way there and he doesn't play because he's on a bye week. That's an issue. So, not necessarily a reason to not draft a player, but something to consider when you're looking at this guy or this guy. And I really do think there's going to be conversations of Julio Jones or Chris Godwin. And there's going to be uh, conversations of Mike Evans or, um, Calvin Ridley, and I think it's important that you you know start matching apples to apples there. So I like that a lot. All right, man, let's move on to your Carolina Panthers here, and we'll get out of here. Carolina, a lot of turnover. They get Cam Newton out of the building. He's in New England, of course. We've already talked about that. They bring in Teddy Two Gloves from the, from the Saints, who basically has only played five games in the last couple of years for Drew Brees. He played fine and admirably, but seven-yard A dot, which was – Un, you know, less than the worst uh, in the NFL down there with Derek Carr. Um, they have Christian McCaffrey, who's all world fantasy football and the NFL. Of course, he's an absolute machine. Uh, number one pick for almost every single player in every single format, except for maybe super flex leagues. And then they have DJ Moore and they have Curtis Samuel. And now they bring in Robbie Anderson from the Jets. They have Ian Thomas, who's kind of been in the shadow of Greg Olson for a handful of years, but he's been pretty good. Um, they bring in Matt Rule uh, as well as Joe Brady from LSU. So to have new coaching staff, a new starting quarterback, a young team, they have a horrendous defense on paper at least. They did spend 
all of their seven picks in the NFL draft on defense. So maybe they're not good this year, but they'll probably be good in the next couple of years. Nonetheless, they're going to be in a bunch of fun and gun, running gun offenses. You seem to believe it. So I want to hear your take on Teddy. I am not confident. I have actually stood by Teddy since he came in from Louisville. People forget that Teddy Bridgewater was Lamar Jackson at Louisville before Lamar Jackson. That's facts. Go check out the film before he blew out both of his knees in the pros. Teddy Bridgewater used to be an incredibly mobile quarterback and was an absolute machine at Louisville and coming into the league. But he blew out his knee, had a you know a bunk stint with the Vikings, a bunk stint with the Jets, didn't work out there with the Saints. So he moves on, gets another chance here with the Panthers. But if the Panthers lose a bunch of games, they end up drafting Trevor Lawrence. Teddy's going to be a backup or out of town anyway. So I'm personally fa- – there's no way I'm drafting Teddy Bridgewater, period, in any of my fantasy leagues at all. My good buddy Curly, former co-host of the podcast here for you longtime listeners, Curly's all about um, – Teddy Bridgewater. And Lucas, he's been stoked that you are about Teddy Bridgewater. I personally am not. I do want to hear about it. Curtis Samuel, maybe the most hyped receiver last year outside of Odell Beckham, didn't pan out last year, but he's a great talent out of Ohio State. DJ Moore, I think, is one of those guys that a lot of people see the huge breakout coming this year, over a 1,000 yards last year, just four touchdowns. We should see that increase. This offense should be getting a lot of work, man. And uh, Christian McCaffrey, good for 2,000 total yards. So, Sell me on the Tampa or on the Carolina Panthers, man, because outside of CMC and DJ Moore, I want no piece of this offense. So they're going to have to. It's the same. It's the same case as why the Falcons are going to be good for fantasy. They're going to have to keep up. Their defense is might be the worst defense in the league. It's it's not good. And I think I wasn't sold on DJ Moore for the aspect of like he had 135 targets with Kyle Allen. Like, is he going to get more? Is, is this actually going to work? Is Teddy Bridgewater actually capable of doing this? And it really came down to, like, the lack of the new coaching staff being able to implement the offense I think they want to implement. I, I I currently have DJ Moore projected for less targets than I did last year, but so 133 targets to 100 receptions. I, I think, I hope, I guess, or else I would ultimately fall on my butt on this one, that they're going to have to, with the shortened training camp, uh, confide if that's the right word, or they're going to force themselves to stick to what's going to work. Getting the ball to McCaffrey, getting the ball in short yardage, short a dot, perfect for Teddy Bridgewater to DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. All fit, Curtis Samuel's been getting a ton of reviews. How he's going to be used all over the field. DJ Moore has been shredding in camp, and to me that signals that well, one, they're either confirming my my take or that they aren't. But he's shredding, meaning that Teddy Bridgewater is capable of throwing the ball downfield. I don't know if he has to be capable to produce DJ Moore because uh, Teddy Bridgewater's ADOT is the same as Drew Brees over the last three seasons, and Michael Thomas uh, was the number one receiver last year. So I think it really is just going to come down to this team is going to be so so many plays run. There's a ton of different plays that you don't even have to give DJ Moore more targets. You just got to give him more than 87 receptions on 135 targets. And I think he had – for not even around five reception touchdowns this last year, so I'm really just thinking I kept that the same. But I, everything I think just at, like if McCaffrey's touchdowns regress, it's going to have to go to DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. I, Robbie Anderson's not the answer. If he can't do it as the number one receiver for the Jets, he can't do it as the fourth option, maybe the fifth option for the Panthers. Like it's just not going to happen. Curtis Samuel's touches are manufactured by Debo's, meaning that he's not like. All right, Curtis Samuel, go make a play. It's DJ Moore going to make a play. So I, I moved him up to wide receiver 
five right now because I think that the range, the upside that he possesses, the range that he could actually hit uh, is is there for sure. Um, but yeah, I, and it's it's weird because like, I don't even think like the projections are far off. This team's going to have to run plays and I'm giving him less targets than last year. It's really just me giving him Teddy Bridgewater's completion percentage. And I, I feel like it's like simple math and like that that ultimately is not how you should do it, but like it's going to have to because yet again, this team's going to have to go with what works or else they're going to put in Will Greer or PJ Walker, have the number one pick next year, and they just pay Teddy Bridgewater $16 million a year for the next three years to sit back up to Trevor Lawrence. And I don't think that's what they want to do. So I guess I, I don't know if it's super – people seem to be all over DJ Moore, but he still has like a round three ADP. So like I don't know how much all over they are. Ultimately, I'd probably take him – after Kittle, so like the 206, 207, wow. which you can get him much, much later than that for sure. I've got him I've got him at the 12 spot just because again, I believe in the talent, man. This is that classic, and I know I I know I sound like a broken record on these podcasts saying the same shit all the time, but it's important <laughs> that we get these we get these concepts across because I believe in them, and this is how I run my fantasy leagues. I believe in the talent of DJ Moore. If DJ Moore was on the Saints and Michael Thomas wasn't. I would say there's a there's a world where DJ Moore has an equivalent season to Michael Thomas. I just want to throw that out there. I think the talent is there. If he had 185 targets, he would be close to 143 receptions and do you know nine touchdowns. He could make that happen. I I know that the Panthers want to chuck it, right? Matt Rule comes in from Baylor, which is like the most high-powered offense for the last 30 years in the Big 12. They're gonna chuck it. Joe Brady comes in from LSU, who just threw 60 touchdowns, broke all sorts of records on the way to the national championship with Joe Burrow and Jefferson and and uh, CEH and the rest of this team, right? So, like, the pedigree of high-powered offense is coming into Carolina, and I love that. I think it's fun for football. On the NFL side, it's fun for fantasy football. I just don't think Teddy Bridgewater is that type of quarterback. If he's game manager enough – to throw a bunch of slants and not throw interceptions and they win a few games and DJ Moore is like the yak master, which he definitely could be, then sure, he'll be fine. I don't think it's going to happen with the deep bombs. That brings me to – okay, I'll talk about um, uh, Robbie Anderson really quick. I'm not targeting Robbie Anderson in any drafts. However, I would I would take more than one second to consider Robbie Anderson at the end of my draft over Deshaun Jackson personally. I think most people would say, how? Deshaun Jackson has the pedigree. We know that Wentz is going to chuck it deep. Deshaun Jackson's good for 1,000 yards plus if he stays healthy and you know eight touchdowns. Well, I think Robbie Anderson is too in this offensive scheme. My issue is I'm not sure that Ted, Teddy Bridgewater is that quarterback. Will Greer, another Big 12 quarterback, West Virginia, and P.J. Walker, who actually played for Matt Rule at Temple with uh, – Robbie Anderson at Temple, I think, could get the ball downfield a little bit more. So if Teddy Bridgewater can't stay healthy or his gloves are a little bit wet and slimy for one day and he's inaccurate and throws a bunch of picks and he gets benched, I think that the number of quarterbacks behind him are as good as Teddy Bridgewater. I'm just going to say that. They're a hell of a lot cheaper, and I think that they're a better uh, gun-slinging type quarterback that this offensive scheme may want. So while I don't hate Teddy Bridgewater, I'm not drafting him at all. But if one of these, if he gets hurt or he ends up losing his job for some reason, 
and one of these other guys comes in, I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on them on the waivers, especially in super flex leagues, because I think that, you know, Will Greer or PJ Walker could definitely end up kind of being in this run and gun offense and, and run it better than Teddy Bridgewater, in my opinion. Now, again, if they just need an Alex Smith, like, you know, Andy Reid had Alex Smith, who is a game manager. He basically made him an MVP because he opened up the playbook and he allowed him to throw him down the field. If Teddy Bridgewater can do that with this offense in the Carolina, they're going to shock the world, and I think they could be excellent. I'm not going to bank on it, though, until I see it, so I'm definitely not drafting him. CMC is in his own world. DJ Moore, I think, is a fabulous talent, and I think he can make a lot happen. He did it with you know Kyle Allen last year and a bad Will Greer in Week 16. But, again, I'm staying away from this entire team, including Ian Thomas, unless he's way late, and including Curtis Samuel even, until I see it. So CMC or DJ Moore or bust here for Carolina for me. Yeah, and I think his ADP is right around the 11, 12. So, like, I don't even know if it's like you have to reach out. I, I personally go get my guys because you'll find out next week why ADP is not a real thing. Um, very, yeah, just wait till next week. You'll understand the whole concept around that. But you, you don't even, like, have to reach on them. Like, I mean, if you have – like, I've been seeing picks where people have the number one pick. So, you're going CMC. You're already in – like, you're already the most plus EV draft slot of all time. And I think it's even more so than last year. This year, I think it's even more like Chris McCaffrey's that much higher. We haven't even seen him play yet. There's, there's been drafts where they're getting McCaffrey and then they're getting DJ Moore, Aaron Do- Jones, DJ Moore, Mark Andrews. And to me, that's like, I don't know. That's just like, like I, if I started a draft with that over like the Michael Thomas, Julio, and like Ertz drafts, those are like my two like favorite uh, starts to drafts. I think you could say so far this year that I've seen. Wow. And, you know, Lucas has been heavy on the uh, zero RB train lately. And if you get DJ Moore as your third wide receiver, and like you said, it sounds insane for you to say what you said a minute ago, but now that I'm thinking about it, it's absolutely possible. You could, in a a zero RB draft, you could pull off, uh, let's say Michael Thomas, let's say Julio Jones, um, let's say uh, Mike Evans, and (laughs) and then DJ Moore. You could get the top receiver on each one of these teams in the division and have this division wide receiver core be your wide receivers for the first four picks. And there is definitely a world where all four of those guys, even if you slip in Ridley, even if you slip in Godwin into that mix, there's a world where all four or six of those guys are top. I mean, realistically, what do you think? Top 15 overall? I mean, those guys in in PPR leagues, like, bro, it could be – if these quarterbacks stay healthy and these offenses do what we think they're going to do and they're all pass heavy and they're all chucking it and they all get the touchdowns, the catches and the yardage, dude, it sounds insane right now, but we see it time and time again. Multiple teams have multiple wide receivers in the top 12, top 15. There's a world where we have six wide receivers from the NFC South in the top 12 to 15 wide receivers at the end of the year. And that's absolutely incredible. Yeah, I think I think I might just stack this division of receivers in the, in the listener league now. But I, 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 and like that's like perfect because like because especially because these teams will be on TV quite a bit. I mean, I watch Red Zone anyways, but like these teams will be on TV, and like every time one of them scores, the other one like the chance of them scoring just gets higher. I guess because they throw the ball. So I think I don't know. I kind of I kind of uh, yeah. If you well, listen to this and you're part of the listener league, like just don't take my strategy. So I might have to do it. I will, I'll say this too, man. Like before we get out of here, I'll, I'll say this is there's nothing more fun than to have, um, having two players, uh, at a similar position in each division, 
that play each other, right? Because let's just hypothetically, you have, um, let's just say Michael Thomas and Julio Jones. They play each other two times a year, right? So there's two games where you're going to have both of those guys playing on two different teams. So not taking away from each other, that just increasing each other's odds the more and more they get better. But we know that those Falcons and Saints games traditionally, those are shootouts. The Buccaneers and Saints and the Falcons now and the Panthers are going to be shootouts. The Panthers are going to have to be shootout games, right? Like there's there's going to be a lot of overs when it comes to Vegas. There's going to be a lot of 30-plus, 40-point games in this division. And I know Lucas isn't into garbage time, but I'll tell you what. Fantasy football is into garbage time. You win, lose on garbage time. That's just how it is. And so when you're in the fourth quarter and one of these teams is down by 10 points – 17 points, whatever, they're going to be chucking the ball. And we know that all these guys are going to get hyper-targeted. So, man, Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, Todd Gurley, if it makes sense, that's probably it for me at the running back. I love all the quarterbacks except for Teddy Bridgewater personally. Tight ends-wise, Gronk, maybe. Hurst, maybe. I'll probably fade the rest of them. All these receivers we've talked about, even Russell Gage, even Emmanuel Sanders, even Curtis Samuel in deeper leagues, I could see myself taking a swing on. Uh, so, man, I think the the moral of this episode is <laughs> pack up on the NFC South wide receivers. All right, man. Any last minute um, analysis on the NFC South before we get out of here? Listen, I, I think I think next week is going to be the great, the best episodes we've ever had. Because I, I don't think we've I don't think we've ever like show we we've gone through our rankings, but I don't think we ever like showcased how inefficient some of these fantasy football sites and markets are. And I think, yeah, I don't know. I'm excited for next week just to just to show how bad some of these sites. And credit to the establishment run guys for do, they they they've been doing this. That's where I got the idea. Um, it, I guess if you're listening, basically what we're doing, if you didn't understand to start, we we're, we took ADPs from Yahoo, ESPN. Uh, my fantasy league, I believe. I couldn't get Sleeper because they protect their API, but uh, I think is what Fantrax is the other one. We're comparing them to our final rankings to show how you should, why you should use our rankings. And I'm going to make the case for every episode for why ADP is not a real thing. And I kind of did on the commission episode, if you guys listen to that, on the zero RB thing. Um, but I'm just excited for next week and the season to officially start. I agree, man. I am with you. So before we get out of here, quick shout out once again to Chris Landry Football. Thank you to the crew for having us on and letting us enjoy the platform, being a part of this great team, this great platform here that's high school football, college football, NFL proper. We are your one-stop shop for fantasy football content here on LandryFootball.com. You can check us out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of every week. We'll be cruising into the season as well. Just a couple weeks left here in the preseason. 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern time. We are live with you on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football. We are the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. You can catch us at tckpod.com with our draft guide. We also have a few spots left in the Listener League. If interested, DM us ASAP and let us know because those are filling up quickly. You can find us on Twitter at TCK underscore pod and on Instagram at fantasy football underscore TCK pod. For Lucas Kaser, I'm Scott Guasco. We are the TCK pod, a.k.a. the Candlestick Kids. We will catch you on Monday. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Enjoy yourself. Be safe. Be good to yourself. Be good to each other. We are out of here. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.